Stock up and stock down? Where are you investing for your fantasy future? We'll go to the booth for review. Welcome to the Challenge Flag Podcast, where we put your fantasy season under review. And right now, we are through five weeks of the NFL season. We've started to see which fantasy teams really are are legit, which teams are good, and which teams just flat out stink. So this week, we're going to be unpacking a little bit about what you can do to potentially improve those already great teams or give your season a lifeline. Blake, what did you see out of week five in the NFL season? What I saw is running backs look like they are officially back. This is kind of the running backs that we've come to know playing fantasy football. It's the security blanket that we've always had, knowing when in doubt, always go to a stud running back and your fantasy team will be okay. And through the first few weeks of the season, that was not at all the case. But this week, you had Leonard Fournette, you had Dalvin Cook, Austin Eckler, I mean, all the guys who we thought were going to perform going into the season finally showed up. Derrick Henry, it must have snowed in Vermont this weekend because Derrick Henry had a big game as well. That was my biggest takeaway from from week five, and it gives me a lot more comfort moving forward through the rest of the season. Yeah, it was surely great to see that, especially coming from someone who always invests really heavily in the running back position. And in terms of my own fantasy team, I can only hope that when Jonathan Taylor hits hits the field next time that he's coming back to be his normal self. But in addition to some of the other names you saw, we, we actually had a, quite a few running backs take over in some situations. We saw Damian Harris go down, so Ramondre looks to be a good stud running back moving forward. Edmonds looks completely phased out of the offense in Miami, so Mostert looks like he's going to be a startable asset week in and week out. Jeff Wilson keeps producing in San Francisco. So outside of just the studs we've come to know and love, it just seems like we've got quite a few options emerging from multiple blackfields across the league, which is really encouraging to see after the first few weeks we've had. I think a lot of fantasy players are, are breathing a sigh of relief because I think a lot of them, like you, invest really heavily into running backs because we've always been told that that's the safe option and that's the way you should go. You will have an advantage at that position if if you invest in them early. We hadn't seen it yet. So again, hopefully this is a trend of things to come as someone else who also invests pretty heavily in running backs, but I guess only time will tell. And That'll be kind of part of the discussion that we get into when looking at, you know, who should we be investing in for the rest of the season going forward? Well, with that, we're going to go ahead and transition into our studs and duds of the week. I'll go ahead and kick us off. And my guy for this week, man, we just got to talk about Taysom Hill. And with Taysom Hill, we just got, we also need to emphasize that this was a weird, weird week. Taysom Hill woke up in week five and decided to absolutely dominate the football field while putting together one of the weirdest quote-unquote tight end stat lines you'll ever see. Hill carried the ball, not caught passes or anything like that. He carried the ball nine times for a total of 112 yards and three touchdowns. And if that wasn't weird enough, let's also note that he threw a 22-yard touchdown. I know Hill used to be technically a quarterback, but still it was such an out-of-left-field performance that I feel like we have to acknowledge that Hill deserves to be a stud for the week. Now, on the opposite end of the spectrum, I'm going to go ahead and use Jared Goff as a scapegoat here, but in reality, it's all of the Detroit Lions offensive players, but 
keeping the integrity of this section alive, I'm going to go ahead and just pin it on Jared Goff, who happens to also be our first quarterback entry onto the studs and duds list. Okay, so focusing in on Goff, he came into this matchup off the heels of a 33.22 fantasy point outing while missing the majority of his offensive arsenal in that matchup. Well, unfortunately for those who invested in the Detroit Lions offense in fantasy, which is a weird statement to state, and if you would have told me I would have been saying this in the preseason, I would have told you you were crazy. The encore performance for Goff was downright awful. Goff only scored 5.86 points this week, and that output trickled down to all of his targets. TJ Hawkinson had only 1.6 fantasy points. Amon Ross St. Brown only had 5.8. Jamal Williams had only 5.8, making Jared Goff my dud of the week. But again, as honorable mentions, we're going to throw all of those guys in there for duds. It was just a rough week to be a Detroit Lion. Blake, how about you? Who are your studs and duds for the week? Yeah, my stud of the week is Leonard Fournette. Kind of as I mentioned before, running backs look like they're back. It was not really a exciting game for Tampa Bay against Atlanta in a game where they won, you know, by one possession. You would want them to score more than 21 points against a pretty pitiful defense, but they were struggling. And when they were struggling, instead of turning to the 45-year-old Tom Brady to bail him out, Tom Brady actually turned to Leonard Fournette, who we knew that Leonard Fournette was kind of his safety blanket. We, we saw signs of that in playoffs in the years past. Well, it really showed itself in this game as well. Laren Fournette put up a stat line with almost 36 fantasy points. He had 14 attempts for only 56 yards on the ground and one touchdown. But the real story of Laren Fournette's day was in the passing game where he got 11 targets. And of those 11 targets, he made good on 10 of them for 83 yards and a touchdown. I mean, 10 receptions two touchdowns, 24 total opportunities. That's the kind of workhorse role that we're looking for in our running back ones, running back twos. And Leonard Fournette, really, he delivered in every way imaginable. I hope that this is a a sign of good things to come. I guess we'll see moving forward. I kind of get the feeling that Tom Brady is going to lean very heavily on Leonard Fournette in those situations because once he has a guy that he can trust, we've seen Tom Brady in the past go back to those guys over and over and over you look at Wes Welker Julian Edelman Randy Moss when he was in New England maybe you know Leonard Fournette doesn't play the receiver position but maybe that's that's going to be the go-to guy for Tom Brady this year my dud of the week this is a guy that I have praised over and over and over this season and I really have no excuse for his performance this week and that's Christian Kirk of the Jacksonville Jaguars he's been getting an unreasonable amount of targets through the first four weeks of the season and we've slowly been seeing his yardage each week decrease over and over and over he had kind of a disappearing act against philadelphia i chalked that up to the bad weather in jacksonville from the remnants of that hurricane that had blown through well this week he really had no excuse for poor performance and he had three targets i mean you can count that on one hand he had three targets and only pulled one of them in for 11 yards and zero touchdowns. If we thought last week was a disappearing act from Christian Kirk, this week has really just proven that it can get worse. This is still Jacksonville. It doesn't matter how much better their offense looks through the first three weeks of the season. This is still the same franchise that has won you know, the number of playoff games that you can count on one hand. I don't know that Christian Kirk will continue to struggle this bad moving forward, but... 
I don't have any real excuses for why he put up this kind of performance, so I don't have that much confidence in saying that he'll have a bounce-back week coming up. I know I've personally been hyping him up, so I'll go ahead and I'll take the blame. I'll take responsibility if you've been starting Christian Kirk and in your flex spot or in your wide receiver two spot because he didn't perform even as your bench four player for this past week. Yeah, we're going to have several different bouts of accountability this week. I know I completely messed up my my starts and my fades for the week last week. So we'll get to that later, but certainly you're not alone with taking some accountability on this one, Blake. Yeah, and if you have Christian Kirk and you're wondering, well, what do I do? Should I get rid of him? Do I need to pivot to someone else? We'll uh, jump into looking at who you should buy low if you're wanting to replace Christian Kirk and who you should sell high if you're looking to trade someone away like Christian Kirk was playing after the first three weeks of the season. So this segment here is really just to break down kind of the trends of players that we've seen in the past that were really solid buy low candidates and really solid sell high candidates. So we'll look at some of last year's examples We'll get into some trends that you can look at to kind of help identify those buy low candidates at the wide receiver position and running back position. And then we'll help you to determine, well, when should I sell high on a player? When is it reasonable to sell high on a player? Because besides nailing your the middle rounds in your fantasy drafts, I'd say selling high on a player is the absolute hardest thing to do in fantasy football. When you got a good thing going, you definitely don't want to end it early, but sometimes it's just, it it only makes sense to go ahead and and pull the trigger and move on from that player. So before we jump into it, RJ, I was curious, do you have any buy lows or sell highs that you can remember from the past that have saved your season or that you regret not moving on before it was too late? Absolutely. So I can remember this super, super vividly. It was right around the beginning of October last year. I know because I was I was literally about to go on a cruise. And so I remember the date specifically. And I was in trade discussions with Chris Risk. And he wanted to move Jonathan Taylor. He really, really wanted to move Jonathan Taylor. And I think we had a deal in place that was getting ready to give me Taylor. And this I think this sounds ridiculous. I don't know. And Chris, if you remember it, feel free to text me and tell me what the deal was. But I think it was... Jonathan Taylor and Mike Evans for Leonard Fournette and some lesser receiver, okay? And this is back when Jonathan Taylor was sitting about like RB 22, 23, something like that. He was looking like a dud and ultimately I passed on it and that could have been just an absolutely season-changing trade because Taylor obviously went off to be RB1. Now Fournette wasn't wasn't bad, so this wouldn't have been super, super egregious, but I mean, it, it was Jonathan Taylor in the absolute prime a season-winning player. Evans wasn't too bad himself. So I, I'm still kicking myself for that that trade specifically. Looking at, well, how you identify some of those buy-low candidates, because, you know, it's really hard to do to go invest in a Jonathan Taylor when he has only one running back one finish, hardly has running back two finishes. It's very hard to invest in two kind of unproven new guys in the NFL, like Amon Ross St. Brown or Elijah Moore. So what identifiers can you look at? We'll start with the running back position for some of the buy lows. The number one thing when you look at guys like Jonathan Taylor or James Conner or even Leonard Fournette in 
in years past, last year to be included, I believe, split backfields. These guys came from backfields where they may have been considered the lead back, but it was like a 1A, 1B situation or a very clear 1-2 situation where no guy had established majority of the carries. So you were looking at like a 60-40 split. At the very best, maybe a 70-30 split if you were lucky. Let's jump into some of the split backfields from this year and see if there are any candidates that interest you. So RJ, I'm going to list off some teams here, and I want you to tell me if there are any backfields that really catch your attention. We got the New York Jets. You got Brees Hall and Michael Carter splitting reps. You have Green Bay with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. Miami, you have Chase Edmonds and Raheem Mostert, which is starting to look less like a running back by committee. You have Jacksonville, where you have James Robinson and ETN. And then finally, the last notable split backfield is New England, where you have Damian Harris, who is currently injured during the week of recording this. And you have Ramondre Stevenson. With those backfields, do any of those guys interest you? Can you see a breakout candidate coming from any of those split committees? For sure. I, I think there's some really interesting backfields you name there. I think to... Green Bay, and we've seen Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon now for years. And for whatever reason, going into this year, people hyped up A.J. Dillon, and he went super high. And so far, he has been a backup running back. They've split touches a little bit more, but Aaron Jones looks to be the more dynamic player there. And I don't know if we're really ever going to see the A.J. Dillon breakout. Aaron Jones is too good, frankly. I could be wrong on that, but right now that one's looking like a an Aaron Jones kind of backfield there. I already touched a little bit on Miami earlier in the podcast, and I think that one's true. Edmonds has just gotten phased out of that offense super, super quickly. Last week, he wasn't even getting the second reps. They were giving it back to Miles Gaskin. So that's red, red alert right there. I dropped Edmonds in every league I owned him in. I was a big investor in Edmonds. Super disappointed there. Unless Mostert gets hurt, I don't see that one coming back new england's another interesting one harris's injury opens that door for ramondre he's been really good so far this year i do think i mean it's the patriots right so i think we're always going to see some sort of split backfield but i think they could both be fantasy relevant i don't know how damian harris just continues to put up rb2 finishes over and over and over again I think there's room for both of them, but that one's a little bit less clear cut. But as long as Harris is injured, Ramondre is a RB1, in my opinion. I just, I think he's that good. He catches passes. He runs hard. Jacksonville's another interesting one. It looks like the last two weeks, at least, it looks like ETN is becoming more and more of that guy. But I think James Robinson's too good to get phased out of that offense completely, which caps ETN's upside. We talked about it a little bit in the panic or patience episode. I still think that ETN's ceiling is an RB2 unless Robinson goes down. And they're just going to cannibalize each other. It's going to make both really hard to be playable in anywhere but your flex spot moving forward until Jacksonville either just commits to one or we get an injury, something like that. The Jets is another really interesting case because Brees Hall has been really solid even though he's not getting the bulk of shares so far. I do think we're seeing the takeover there. Michael Carter's good back, but Brees Hall is just a better athlete, and I think it's only a matter of time before he fully takes over that one. He's in a similar situation, I would say, to a Jacksonville where 
his upside will be capped as long as Carter remains involved in the offense, but he should be a solid flex or a low-level RB2 moving forward. He doesn't have quite the ceiling that some of the other RB2s that you may have have, but I like Brees Hall as a player, and I think he will emerge as the number one option in that backfield. The next qualifier for a potential buy-low candidate at the running back position is kind of these young potential breakout running backs. We just talked about a few of them, Brees Hall, A.J. Dillon, Ramondre Stevenson, and Travis Etienne. We just mentioned all of those names, but we're looking for other players who have either come in this year and are still learning the offense or learning the NFL game, or we're talking about guys who have had an opportunity stifled because they've been behind star running backs or lead running backs. So some examples of that are Jonathan Taylor. Took him a while to get his footing in Indianapolis, but when he did, boy, was he worth it. Christian McCaffrey, he was not the starter in Carolina right away, if I remember correctly. And then once he got into that role, he absolutely exploded and kind of caught the fantasy world off guard. And then you look at Derrick Henry, who came in, and I think he was behind DeMarco Murray for over a year before we finally got to see him take the NFL field and that lead role. But when he did, he's been a number one running back for five years now or or something close to that where, you know, it hasn't even been close. He's been worth that breakout. And if you got him in that first year where DeMarco Murray's role kind of faded away and he rode off into the sunset into a nice retirement and Derrick Henry took over, then you were a very, very happy drafter or happy manager or happy trader, whichever way you acquired him. So some other young potential breakout backs who are either new to the NFL or haven't had the opportunity that is required of them to break out yet. You have J.K. Dobbins in Baltimore, Damian Pierce in Houston, Ken Walker, who now has a stellar opportunity in Seattle, Brian Robinson in Washington, Tyler Algier in Atlanta, and you have Tony Pollard in Dallas, who's only been in the NFL for four years, but I feel like we've been talking about him for eight years. Of those names, is there anyone who interests you as, well, maybe I should invest in them early on because this season they have the potential to go ahead and break out, or are all these guys kind of, if you buy them low, you're expecting low return from them as well? Yeah, there's a couple of interesting names there that I, I think are worth discussing. I'm going to start with Kenneth Walker. Now, I'm I'm a little lower on him than I think a lot of people are. I think we're getting a little overblown with the the hype around him yet. I mean, he wasn't really getting many opportunities at all behind Rashad Penny. And Penny performed well in a couple of games. I think his week one game was pretty good. His week four game was pretty good. But in between there, they were pretty rough. Before the injury, obviously, and now he's out for the season. Kenneth Walker has the entire offense to himself. But I'm not sure if we can really expect him to perform much better than Penny. So I think we should pump the brakes a little bit on him. I, I think he his hype is a little too high. I don't know if I'd go out and target him because whoever has him probably just spent a ton of fab on him. I think I saw estimations for what fab you should use on him was like 90 to 100% of your fab. I just think that's crazy because he's unproven. Penny didn't look absolutely great. And again, Geno Smith is the quarterback there. He's looked good so far this year, but we haven't seen sustained success from Geno Smith yet in his NFL career. I'm a little bit more hesitant on him. The other name I want to jump to is Tony Pollard. Pollard has looked absolutely fantastic in his role this year, but the Cowboys are not going to stop giving the ball to Ezekiel Elliott. You and I both know this 
listening to Cowboys camp, being Cowboys fans, we know what they're paying Ezekiel Elliott is not just going to go away. They're going to continue to give Zeke the ball. And I think part of what has made Pollard so successful is that him and Zeke have their defined roles. Zeke is that in between the tackles, get the hard yards, while Pollard is your change of pace back, catches the defense off guard, can run off tackle and be gone. So I don't think his role is going to evolve into too much more than what it already is. Maybe a few more touches here and there. But I just think that there's a reason why we talk about him every year. The talent's there, but I don't think Zeke's going anywhere without an injury. I'm going to rattle off some names who have been running back ones in the past that are not performing to that this far in the season. Let's say you had to trade a wide receiver two and a flex play, maybe a, a fringe running back two, three type player for one of these guys. Let me know if you'd be interested and if they're considered by low, whether or not you think you could get them. So the first one, let's start with Jonathan Taylor, the Indianapolis Colts. He obviously was the running back one last year. So far on points per game, based on games played only, he's the running back 23 on the season. Is that someone you'd be willing to flip a wide receiver two and a flex play for? Absolutely. I love Jonathan Taylor as a buy-low candidate. Again, I'm biased in this one, and you know this because I own Taylor in our league, Blake, but the talent is there. The the sh- The touches are there. I mean, the guy was RB1 last year, and this is very similar to how he started last year. Kind of gives me almost Derrick Henry vibes if he's able to repeat it, where he kind of starts a little slow, gets his footing, and then just goes on a terror. But yeah, if you're flush with receiver depth, absolutely. Go make the Taylor owner in your league an offer. And I'm not just saying this for me, because because I know and I'm saying he's a buy-low candidate. I'm not probably going to sell him low, just a heads up for all those people in our league. But I think if in other leagues, if that Taylor owner is panicking and you can offer him a solid wide receiver too and a flex asset, definitely go and do that. Because like I almost did last year, I I missed out on Taylor and he could have been a week a league winner for me. So this is a great opportunity. This is the cheapest price you're ever gonna get Jonathan Taylor. And I think people are panicking a lot on him. I think he I don't think he's the worst number one overall pick we've seen in recent memory. I think Think back to like LaShawn McCoy when he was the number one overall pick. That was that was a pretty bad result from him. We saw what Taylor was capable of week one where he dropped 27 fantasy points. He's had a couple of rough outings since then, but I think people are over panicking on him. And I think you can really go get Taylor for a great price right now. The next name on the list is Najee Harris. He's been a running back one in the past. He's currently the running back 36 points per game for games played. Is that someone that you think is a worthwhile buy low and what you think the price would be so i'm less likely to go make a deal for Najee than i would be for a guy like jonathan taylor the usage is there the touches are there the steelers are just awful that offensive offensive line is just terrible i don't really see the path to relevancy especially because kenny pickett doesn't seem to want to throw the ball to Najee. so he's one that i'm less likely to go get but price wise if i could package together a wide receiver three in a flex I think it might be worth maybe that I wouldn't mind having Najee in my flex I think the talent is there for him to produce like that and again we talked about this in that in that patience and panic episode I think that's about where I identified him to be he's got good usage that's what we look for in fantasy football if he's able to turn it around he could be a worthwhile asset but I've been way too concerned to go and invest significant trade pieces into him but yeah, I think I think that's what I would be looking to give a wide receiver three, running back three slash four, 
maybe package together, gets that deal done. But it's similar to Taylor. The owner paid a lot for him, so they may be unwilling to part with him. We'll get into two last names. Just a quick yes or no for you on whether or not you'd be willing to buy low on these players. These are not first-round picks like Jonathan Taylor, Najee Harris. But we have James Conner, currently the running back 38 on a points-per-game basis, and Alvin Kamara, running back 21. Are either of those guys by low candidates that you're interested in? I would go no on Connor just because of the nagging injuries and the fact that they keep producing when he's out. And natural touchdown regression was coming this year. So I'm a little bit more out on Connor. I think he can still be a decent piece, but I just think you're going to have to pay up too much to go get a guy that is constantly nicked up. Now, Kamara, again, your buy low opportunity was probably last week, but I would absolutely be looking to go make a deal for Kamara. I think Kamara is just an absolute stud of a running back, and I think he's going to continue to produce this year. He he had some nicks himself coming into the season and in the first few games, but last week was great. He looked like his normal self outside of that fumble. I would be interested in acquiring Kamara. Okay, and let's jump into the buy low trends on wide receivers real quickly. There's not much difference in the wide receiver buy low candidates as there is in the running back ones. There's really only two major categories to look at. Number one is rookies, 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 rookies. And that's kind of been more of a recent trend over the last five years. Uh, Rookie receivers never really used to get the opportunity that they maybe deserved. In years past, they were learning offenses, veteran quarterbacks didn't trust them. As we see more young quarterbacks kind of step into the, the star roles in the league, it kind of makes sense that young rookie receivers are getting more of a chance. So rookie receivers who have had really good back half breakouts or midseason breakouts, RJ, stop me if you've heard any of these names before. Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Never. AJ None Brown, Amon Ross St. Brown, Elijah Moore, Jalen mm-hmm. Waddle, Devontae nope. Smith, Juju Smith-Schuster, and Chase Clay. Terrible list right there. Where do you so, find these guys? Yeah. And and that list, I only went back about three years to go find all of those names of rookie receivers who have just, you know, come into the second half of the season. They kind of disappoint first half, maybe didn't get the snap percentage or target percentage that was expected of them. And then in the second half, they just blew up. So here's some names of rookie receivers. I'd say some of these aren't really buy low candidates like Chris Olave, probably not really a buy low candidate, but you have... Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Drake London, Romeo Dobbs, Jahan Dotson, George Pickens, Alec Pierce, Christian Watson, and Khalil Shakir are some of those rookie running backs who could be in for a second half breakout. Do any of those names interest you as a buy low where you feel like you would not be overpaying for a rookie like Chris Olave, for example, that have the potential to just absolutely explode in the second half of the season and return you wide receiver two borderline wide receiver one value so looking at the initial list you provided i think the trend that really sticks out with those rookies who did explode is that they had fairly competent quarterback play coming with that they had good guys who could throw the ball or a high volume offense so with the list we have here that's what i would be looking for i'd be who's completing passes and who's throwing a lot of passes so i like drake london i think he's the primary person in that offense I'm less confident in Mariota, so a little bit more down on him than, say, a Romeo Dobbs, who's got Aaron Rodgers throwing him the football. There's probably no one better besides maybe a Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes 
that could throw you a football. So I really like Dobbs. I don't know about Christian Watson in that offense. We haven't seen it quite yet, but Dobbs has emerged as the rookie to own in the Green Bay offense. A recent one has been George Pickens, and that's recent coming with Kenny Pickett. I know Kenny Pickett is a little bit of an unknown himself, but he has shown propensity to complete passes in his limited action so far. So I like to see that. There's a little bit more to to watch and, and watch develop, but you can probably get Pickens fairly cheap if you're interested in something like that. He appears to be the favorite target, so I really, really like to see that. But outside of that, Alec Pierce, not huge in on because I think Michael Pittman Jr. is the better receiver in that offense. Matt Ryan has just not looked great so far this year. So a little bit down on him, but that's where if you're trying to identify those guys who might explode, that's where the, the issue really is, is who's going to get passes thrown to them and who's going to get cashable passes. So we, we start with the quarterback and that should hopefully help us identify the good receivers. Overall, identifying by low receivers is a lot more difficult than finding the trends to identify by low running backs. A lot of that has to do with the fact that there's so many more variables for receiver performance, including quarterback play, injuries, defensive matchups, such as traveling DBs, new schemes, such as that new too high, no fun defense that's currently ruining the NFL offenses. You have positive game scripts where teams will be running the ball more. And then the biggest indicators are really these stats that no normal human being that likes to actually visit with friends and family and has a life outside of football pays attention to you can look at things such as separation rate average depth of target or a dot you can look at yards per route run or efficiency versus different kinds of coverage if you want to do that go ahead and be my guest i don't think you'll see the sun for a couple of weeks you probably won't see your family or friends either because you'll be too busy hiding away in your cave going through all those stats so Really, the biggest stats you can look at if you're a normal fantasy football player, you can look at a high target volume paired with a low completion percentage. Those are usually good guys to target as potential second half breakouts. Or you can look at a high target volume with low touchdown production. Look for that touchdown regression to the mean. So RJ, I'm quickly going to go through some of the names on high target and low completion percentage list. Tell me if any of these names interest you as buy low candidates given their current performances. You have Donovan Peoples-Jones, Debo Samuel, Christian Kirk, Devontae Adams, Elijah Moore, and Garrett Wilson. I know there were some pretty big names on that list, so let me go ahead and clarify. When we say buy low, it's buy low relative to what you think those players can be. A guy like Debo Samuel, we know he was a top five wide receiver last year. Has not been that this year, but for example, he has like 38 targets, only 53% completion percentage on those targets. So do any of those guys interest you as buy low candidates given their current performance this year? Sure. I would definitely go for a Debo Samuel or Christian Kirk or Devontae Adams. Those are the three that kind of perked up my ears. Again, kind of the same story with the rookie wide receivers. We're looking at decent quarterbacks here. And Debo's got Jimmy, who's fine, but he's produced with Jimmy in the past. Christian Kirk's got Trevor Lawrence, who's had some good games. He's developing himself. We've seen Christian Kirk in a couple games this season be doing great. And if that consistency can come back, then right now is the time to buy him after two bad performances. Devontae actually may not get any cheaper because he could be suspended for this whole pushing a reporter thing. Great opportunity to go acquire Devontae Adams. The other three I'm a little less sure on for Peoples-Jones. I mean, Jacoby Brissett's fine, but until we get Deshaun Watson back, I'm not expecting any consistency there. And then for the other two, Elijah Moore, 
and Garrett Wilson, they've produced best when Zach Wilson's out of the lineup. So, and New York's going to run with Zach Wilson. I'm a little hesitant to really invest any asset into the New York Jets offense at this point. I'm just going to kind of stay on the sidelines and let that one play out. If Wilson gets hurt and Flacco comes back, then I'm really interested in requiring one of those guys, probably Wilson, if I had to pick one of the two. But until then, I'm probably steering away from that one. The next metric, the high target, low touchdown production. These are guys that see at least six targets per week, but have one or less touchdown on the season. You have Deontay Johnson, Cortland Sutton, A.J. Brown, Brandon Cooks, Devontae Smith, D.J. Moore, and Michael Pittman. Do you see any of those guys as great buy low opportunities? Probably. We, we talked a little bit about it with Judy, but Sutton, same thing. He's produced fairly well with Russell getting acclimated to that offense. I think there are greener pastures there, so I think Sutton's a great opportunity to buy low. Same thing with Brown. We've seen what him and Hurts could be, and that schedule just gets stupid easy for the Eagles going forward. So I think AJ Brown's a great person to go get. I think there's some good good weeks in his future. Same thing, you can kind of pair him and Devonta Smith together, but I would prefer Brown to Smith. Pittman, he was the darling of the offseason and owners could be panicking there. I think the talent is is very clearly there. If Taylor gets on track, that opens the door for the passing game to thrive and Pittman to do what he did in week one. Notice how Jonathan Taylor's good week one came when Pittman was playing well. So it they kind of are going to depend on each other. If Matt Ryan's not throwing the ball well, people are going to load the box. Stop Jonathan Taylor, make Matt Ryan beat them. I don't think that's going to happen. So I think Pittman's a great opportunity to go get. Now, the other guys, DJ Moore, Brandon Cooks, Deontay Johnson, I'm a little bit more down on. More quarterback plays the huge red flag there. We've talked about it before. Cooks, same thing. He's got a good floor, but it's proven lower than in season past, which concerns me. And then Deontay Johnson. The the issue there is just going to be what what does Kenny Pickett want to do? I think he's still getting targeted pretty well, but he's just never going to be that that huge touchdown scorer. He's always going to be a solid wide receiver too. And I think that's where people are going to value him right now. I don't know if the opportunity is there to go buy him low. Well, that's kind of the criteria to for the buy low trends on some of these players and some names that you can look at going to acquire. We'll go ahead and jump into the sell high trends next. Looking at sell high candidates, it's pretty similar for both running backs and wide receivers, what you should be looking for when trying to identify a sell high candidate. And that's essentially unsustainable efficiency. So we'll start with the running back position. I'll just go through some names and look at some different metrics in terms of unsustainable efficiency. Namely, you have your average yards per attempt, and then you have your touchdown regression. Those are two stats that you can kind of look at and say, well, these may not be sustainable based on what they've done through the first five or six weeks of the season. So when it comes to unsustainable efficiency in yards per carry, Some of the names that we have are DeAndre Swift, who's way ahead of the pack. He has an average of over eight and a half yards per carry. All these other guys are going to be between six and a half yards per carry and five yards per carry. You have Aaron Jones, Nick Chubb, Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, Austin Eckler, and Jeff Wilson. Looking at touchdown regression, here are the names of some running backs that have at least one or more touchdown in every game that they've played statistically. That would be Nick Chubb, Jamal Williams, Derrick Henry, and Austin Eckler. 
So some of those names you say, well, you know, they didn't do too well for me the first couple of weeks, like Derrick Henry and Austin Eckler. Like I said, that is based on an average of one touchdown per game or higher. Looking at that list, there's some big names for sell high candidates, which this is again, part of what we talk about when we say it's really hard to sell high. Those are the names that you're probably looking to trade away. So looking at the unsustainable efficiency names that I mentioned there, RJ, are there any names that stick out to you as, yeah, this is a guy that I probably should be looking to sell high or are all those names just a little bit too big that you would rather hold on to them instead of taking the risk on selling them for a different player and having them continue to produce at this level. The main one that stuck out to me was Josh Jacobs with his 5.4 yards per attempt. Jacobs has been around for a while. He's in a contract year and he's playing out of his mind. At least he has lost two weeks, but he really hasn't been just an absolute fantasy stud in his career. So I don't know if it's going to be sustainable throughout the season. And I think this is probably the prime time to sell him. Other guys like Jeff Wilson Jr., similar story there. He's filling in for Elijah Mitchell. We don't know what that backfield's going to look like once Mitchell comes back from IR. This is probably the best time to get a return for a guy that was just a waiver ad a few weeks ago. The rest of the guys on this list, they're big names. Even looking at just the, the yards per attempt and the touchdown regression, they're all really, really big fantasy studs. DeAndre Swift, Aaron Jones, Nick Chubb, Saquon Barkley, Austin Eckler, Derrick Henry. All of those guys were premium picks. So you're sure you, you could sell them high right now and you would get a King's ransom. But realistically, when you drafted those guys, this is what you were hoping they would be. So I wouldn't be really looking to sell them unless I'm a team that's struggling. I've got a poor record and I can liquidate these guys at their peak value to get more pieces that hopefully helps my team. But other than that, I'm getting what I was hoping for out of these guys. I'm not necessarily looking to go flip them. I'll caveat this by saying that maybe Nick Chubb's the exception just because he doesn't have the receiving upside as a lot of the other guys. And then I'll also caveat it by saying that DeAndre Swift is actually probably more, I don't know if you could sell him high right now because of the injury issues you've been having. And then the fact that Jamal Williams has been getting the goal line touches. I don't see Jamal Williams touchdowns going down. I think Swift is actually one of those concern pieces where it's like, well, if you can find someone to take him high, then great. But at this point, I think Swift's value is probably lower than what you would be hoping for. Looking at wide receivers, efficiency is the name of the game here when trying to identify sell high candidates. So some sell high candidates based on uh, yards per reception and touchdown numbers. We have only four names here that I really, really want to bring up, and that is Jalen Waddle, Gabe Davis, Corey Davis, and Christian Kirk. All those guys are averaging over 16 yards per reception, and outside of Corey Davis, they all have three touchdowns on the season. That being said, Corey Davis has two touchdowns since Zach Wilson has come back, so his numbers are kind of through the roof the past couple of weeks. Do you think that those four names are the only sell-high candidates out there for receivers, or do you have some others that you'd like to bring up? I think Gabe Davis is a perfect example of a sell-high right now. He had a great week one, some middling weeks in between there, and then just a phenomenal week last week. Him and Josh Allen were on the same note. Perfect, perfect game. So I think his opportunity to sell high, this is probably the best opportunity there. It is looking really good for Gabe Davis. The other guys I'm actually a little bit more down on right now. I, I don't think that their value is necessarily quite at the sell high. I think you're you're actually probably at a buy opportunity for a couple of them. I mean, Waddle, 
Waddle had his 40-point output game. That was the time to sell high, right? He he blew up that game. You sell high there. Right now, with a third-string quarterback that is looking to come in here and play, actually heard news today that Teddy Bridgewater is trending towards being active, but he's actually going to be the backup. So they're going to roll with that third stringer. This is probably not the week to sell Waddle. I wouldn't be looking for him there. And then Corey Davis actually would be an interesting one. I like your point that Zach Wilson's actually targeting him over those really talented young guys like the Garrett Wilson and the Elijah Moore. So Corey Davis, absolutely. If you're if you're an owner and you're in a deeper league and someone's willing to pay up for him, do it because Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson are definitely more talented than Corey Davis at this point. So that efficiency is not going to be sustainable at the end of the day there. And then Christian Kirk, I, again, think it's a good buy low opportunity, two bad weeks in a row. Overall, the Jacksonville Jaguars haven't looked great the last couple of weeks, so I probably wouldn't be looking to sell off Kirk right now. I think I'd probably be in the buying market for Kirk. I've been trying to buy Kirk for several weeks in several leagues, and I think this is probably one of the better opportunities to go get him. Well, that covers a lot of the criteria for the buy low, sell high. RJ and I are now going to give you our best buy low and sell high candidates at this point in the season. We'll start with the running back position, and I'll go first. In terms of buy low, I have three names for you. Number one is Brees Hall in New York. We've seen him start to garner much more of that backfield, as we've mentioned, and we know he's a stud based off of his combine, his college tape. He came in, he drew a lot of comparisons to Jonathan Taylor. So I think that this is someone that you really want to start rostering now. And this is, as we mentioned before, still the cheapest you're going to buy him. Michael Carter just vultured a bunch of touchdowns from him. He's slowly been progressing, but I think that this guy has a real shot to be running back one in the back half of the season. And if you don't go get him now, you're not going to get him for anything less than a wide receiver one or giving back some running back twos and you know a high-end wide receiver as well. So going with Brees Hall, I'm going with Ramondre Stevenson. We know that Damian Harris is in a contract year, and the Patriots typically run those guys into the ground. We're already seeing Damian Harris with some injuries. I think Ramondre Stevenson's very young, athletic, and talented. I don't know if Damian Harris is going to come back and be 100%. We don't know if he's going to come back and be 50% of himself. But I think given the opportunity, if Ramondre shows that he can be a breakout bona fide stud, then he could be in for a very, very large share of that backfield in New England. He's a very different kind of back than LeGarrette Blunt was, but if you remember the LeGarrette Blunt days in New England where his production just came out of nowhere and caught the whole fantasy world off guard, I think Ramondre Stevenson could have that type of season. And the last one is the number one overall player, Jonathan Taylor. He has not been producing very well. He's been injured. I think that with the Colts struggling, they're going to have to find a way to either open up the pass game or they're going to have to get very creative with their best player, and that's Jonathan Taylor. I think there's no chance that you can buy him for any lower than he's been producing right now. We saw in week one he still has the potential. We know he's young and athletic, so it's not a problem of him fading because of age or because of too many touches or anything like that. So I think if you're willing to watch that Colts offense week in and week out, then Jonathan Taylor is a guy to take a shot on as a buy low candidate. RJ, who do you have for your buy low running backs? So this is probably cheating a little bit, but for me, I have to agree with Jonathan Taylor. I think Jonathan Taylor is the ultimate example of a buy low opportunity right now. His value will never be lower than it is right now. I think you'll have a hard time getting him from owners 
I can speak from personal experience because they know what they have and they know what they paid for it. But if you can get him, I think it's a good move. And then my other buy low is Joe Mixon. I think that Mixon just gets so many touches a game and that Bengals offense has looked a little disjointed that, you know, it's kind of like a Super Bowl hangover, but there's so much talent there. And he, the fact that he gets opportunities in high volume offense, I just, I think he, he's got so much upside and with him, actually, I'll go ahead and I'm going to throw Jamar Chase in there as well. Like, go get Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase, even though he hasn't performed super well, is producing a really good floor week in and week out. Like, he's he's going to get you, like, 12 points no matter what. And it's only a matter of time before he breaks off one of those games where he's dropping three touchdowns and 250 yards. I just feel like it's going to happen. So th- those three guys would be the ones that I'd be looking to go acquire. Yeah, and that's a good transition into the by-low receivers. My by-low receivers, I have Deontay Johnson and Christian Kirk. Christian Kirk, I know we mentioned him a lot when we were talking about sell-high guys, but his last two weeks have not been very good. If you want to play the the follow-the-money game, Jacksonville gave him a whole bunch of money to come there, be the number one. And you can talk about Zay Jones all you want. You can talk about what's going on with the Jacksonville offense the past two weeks, but really he's gonna get the targets you know he had three targets this past week that's not what you expect from a team that paid a guy a whole bunch of money to come in and and play for him they're not going to just give him three targets a game look for that to go up Deontay Johnson as well I know people were pretty down on him after that first half that Kenny Pickett came into play and people are down on the Steelers in general people are down on Kenny Pickett being the quarterback there but He's still getting a ridiculous target share, and he's still going to put up a minimum of 10 points for you every week because that's just what Deontay Johnson does. If he starts getting in the end zone, watch out because this guy's going to be a wide receiver too, and you're going to regret not wanting to go get him because you bought into all of the anti-Steelers propaganda out there. Looking at sell highs, we'll go back and start with the sell high running backs. My sell high running backs, I have Nick Chubb and Jeff Wilson Look, Nick Chubb is great. I think he is the probably the best runner in the NFL. I think that he will be a great fantasy running back for you for the rest of the season. Go flip Nick Chubb for an Austin Eckler. Go flip him for a Dalvin Cook. Go flip him for someone like that because I don't think that this efficiency is sustainable. You know, we talked about it. Nick Chubb's averaging 6.1 yards per attempt, and he has seven touchdowns through five games. Seven touchdowns. That's ridiculous. We know that Kareem Hunt has a history of coming in and stealing production from Nick Chubb. We haven't seen it as much this season. We saw it a little bit in week one. We haven't seen it as much the rest of the season. But I think that there's a chance that Kareem Hunt will get involved a couple of weeks here and there. And I think once you have a big game from Kareem Hunt where Nick Chubb falls off, Nick Chubb is going to lose a whole bunch of the value in the trade market because people will go, oh, yeah, this is the Cleveland backfield that we remember. Nick Chubb is probably going to be a low-end running back one, high-end running back two for the rest of the season. And that's great. You want that on your roster. But if you can go flip him for a guy that you think will be a, a stud at the running back one position, I go flip him. And then Jeff Wilson, we talked about Elijah Mitchell coming back. He has been very efficient so far. He has been getting a ton of touches. So I think I'd flip him now while there's still a, a good amount of time before Elijah Mitchell comes back. Another owner can get value out of Jeff Wilson, and then you can get more season-long value than you would by having Jeff Wilson for you know only the next four to six weeks. RJ, do you have any sell-high running backs? 
The only other name I'd really throw in there right now would be Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I know his last week wasn't great, but we've talked about it a couple times on the show, and his usage just isn't good. It's been incredibly efficient for the amount of touches he's getting and the amount of snap share he's getting, and I I just don't think he's going to be able to sustain that. Maybe he continues to be a fantasy asset, but I mean, he was a top five running back up until last week, so maybe your window is closing especially going into a matchup against the Bills. But if you can sell him for top, like top five value, absolutely do that. If you can sell him for top 10 value, I would do that too. You can spend a lot of yarn there, and I think it's a good opportunity to get him off your roster and get someone more consistent. Looking at the sell high receivers, I'll go through mine first. The first one I think is probably the most obvious, and it's Gabe Davis. He had that monster week last week. He's averaging far and away the league high in yards per reception at over 28 yards per reception, and he has three touchdowns on the year. Look, he's going to be good. You know that Gabe Davis is going to have these weeks every now and then. It's kind of like Mike Williams. When we talk about sell high guys, we're not saying sell them high because we think that they're going to be bad. We think that Gabe Davis is going to be a great receiver, But it's going to be like the Mike Williams treatment where some weeks you start him and he gets you five, six fantasy points. Some weeks you start him and he gets you 40. So maybe try to sell him after one of those 40 weeks if you need some more consistency on your roster. Maybe you want to use him as more of a flex play or you want someone on your bench who you think can you know, go off any week that you have a guy that goes on by, then, you know, that Gabe Davis is a guy you want on your roster. But if you're looking for a wide receiver too, and you're, you want 15 points week in and week out, but you have Gabe Davis now, I'd go flip Gabe Davis. And then Marquise Brown, we talked about the situation with D-Hop coming back. Not to mention, you want to talk about efficiency. Marquise Brown, 55 targets on the year. That's 11 targets per game. 70% completion percentage on those targets. Don't expect that to continue i know that kyler and marquise brown have a great connection from college but i'd expect that efficiency to fall off and i would expect the volume to decrease so marquise brown's a sell high for me rj what about you yeah i think we've hit on a lot of these guys so far in this discussion gabe davis marquise brown michael thomas i will throw one other name in there and that's tyler lockett for the seattle seahawks you really didn't have to pay a lot for tyler lockett in drafts and he's really produced this year i mean he has looked more like vintage tyler lockett everyone was concerned that russ was gone what was going to happen to him and geno smith's played pretty well overall but again i i i think we've said it before we just don't have the capacity to trust geno smith at this point because we haven't seen a sustained level of success over a whole season and I think Lockett's numbers, if you show them to a potential buyer, they're going to be like, oh, those look pretty good. And you might be able to get a nice return for a guy that was likely like your 14th or 13th round pick. So absolutely, if you, if you can do that and you can flip him for, for a really good value there or add him as a, a nice sweetener to a trade to level up to a guy like Jonathan Taylor, I think that's a great opportunity to go sell him. Well, with that, that pretty much concludes our buy low, sell high discussion. Ultimately, it's really up to your own judgment. We're just trying to give you some trends to look at, some numbers to look at, because it's always scary to go and make trades. But, you know, it's kind of like betting lines. You have to get in on it while the getting is good. You know, betting lines, they move throughout the week based on news that you get in. Fancy trade value moves throughout the season based on how these players produce every single week. 
fantasy managers have a habit of overreacting to the week that they had just seen. So some of these buy low guys, if they go off and they have a monster week this next week, you probably won't be able to get them at the value that you do now. And same for these sell high guys. If they've been producing really, really well for you, and then all of a sudden they have a dud week, you're going to miss out on a ton of value that you could get from trading right now. Okay, so we are going to jump into our best plays and fades of the week. Real quick to recap our best plays from last week, Blake picked Terry McLaren, who scored 12.6 fantasy points. So we gave him another tie there. He is now 1-1-2. I picked James Robinson, who scored 5.9 fantasy points. So not so good there. I'm taking another L for two weeks in a row. That's 2-2 two and two for me on the season. My best play for week six is Jeff Wilson Jr., 49ers running backs are frustrating year after year, but Jeff Wilson has proven to have a nice floor since filling in for the injured Elijah Mitchell. Since taking over as lead back, Wilson has yet to score below 10 fantasy points, making him a consistent and seemingly matchup-proof flex play. Teams have committed to beating the Falcons through the air, and just last week Leonard Fournette shredded them in the receiving game. With his high floor and fantasy points trending upward, Wilson should produce at an RB2 level this week. Blake, how about you? Who's your best play? My best play of the week is going to be Ramondre Stevenson, who's playing against the Cleveland Browns this week. He's finally going to get the lead role in New England there, and he's been pretty efficient with the touches that he's been getting, and he's been more active in the receiving game as well. Now, last week he got 25 carries, an average over 6 yards per carry. We saw his receiving production dip a little bit because of that, but he had 20 points last week alone on 25 carries and two receptions, zero touchdowns. He had zero touchdowns. This Cleveland defense, Miles Garrett is great. You have good guys in the secondary, but I think you can run on this defense, which is exactly what the Patriots want to do. So look for Ramondre Stevenson to get into the end zone and have a great week this week. Now we'll go ahead and we'll transition into our fades of the week. Last week, my pick was Najee Harris, which was a 6.6 performance. So we're going to count that as a win. My counterpart, RJ Beecher, he picked Josh Jacobs after a monster week in week four. Well, unfortunately for RJ, he just picked up where he left off and scored 30.3 points this past week. My fate of the week here is going to be Taysom Hill. Look, I know he just had a monster game, but if Jameis Winston does play, Taysom Hill's not going to do that again. He's kind of the Swiss Army knife, and he can do all things. Yeah, he can go score from the tight end position, but where his real value, his real fancy value comes in is when he gets to play quarterback, when he gets touches, when he's out of the wildcat, whenever they're running all of these trick plays, because those trick plays are specifically designed for him. You know, he might put up 40 points one week, and then the next week he'll go have one reception for six yards and zero touchdowns. And you'll be really, really upset, especially if you went and, say, spent like, I don't know, 20 fab dollars on him in your league this week, which would just be absolutely absurd. You might be disappointed and broke after this next week. RJ, who's your fate of the week? Can we just pretend that I said to fade James Robinson and start Josh Jacobs last week? Can we just flip them? Because that'd be so much nicer. I feel like last week was kind of a good reflection of your fantasy season, which is just... Every, every week you have hope you think that you're rolling out the best lineup you think that you've made the smartest decisions and then everything just flips on its head so unfortunately no because i'm behind in the overall picking in our league record i need to be ahead somewhere on this podcast and i want to be ahead in this segment so 
I'm going to go ahead and, and let you take those losses from last week. Well, fair enough. So my fade of week six is Tyler Algier. One of the darlings from last week's waiver wire, Algier assumed the lead back duties following Cordero Patterson being placed on IR. Though he commanded a 59% snap share and was given 13 touches, he did little with them against an elite Tampa Bay defensive unit. Unfortunately for fantasy owners who spent a high waiver claim or a significant amount of fab, the matchups don't get any easier as the Falcons draw a matchup against the 49ers who have been excellent against the run this year. Algier is best delegated to your bench this week. This one feels like a slam dunk. We'll see. Actually, I said fade him, so put him in your lineup. Start him. That's how this year's going. You know if he's a dud now, people are going to be absolutely livid at you, and you're still going to get the win. So you've just kind of set yourself up for a lose-lose. Or a (laughs) win-win. I I don't see it, but... All right. Well, that's going to do it for this week's show. As always, thank you all for listening, and good luck with your matchups this week.